0: Welcome to you, wherever you're at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you are here with us this weekend for these few moments together. Before we jump into our teaching series, I do want to put a couple of announcements out in front of you. One is uh, we are recruiting uh, for prayer teams. And, uh, you know, uh, prayer simply is asking God to help us to move to accomplish his will in all the things that we put our hands to in fact someone said succinctly uh, this is what prayer is that uh, things happen when we pray that do not happen when we don't and apparently that's the way god has set up his working in our lives and uh, we would like to uh, build up uh, more and more teams of praying people here at the church and uh, we're looking at a lot of different ways to deploy Uh, those who make themselves available, whether you're praying at home, uh, praying uh, on site uh, here on our campus with a group of others. Uh, But if you would like to be a part of that prayer team, just send us a note, office at arlingtonfm.com, mention prayer, and we will follow up with you. Uh, This year, uh, Halloween, that great and sacred uh, holiday, is on a Sunday, October 31st, and uh, we are going to celebrate Uh, the opportunity to reach out to children and families on that day. And so right here uh, on our campus uh, on Sunday, October 31st, we are going to have what we're calling Fall Family Fun Fest. And uh, we've got all kinds of plans in motion, Uh, food, uh, trunk or treating, uh, costume awards being given out, uh, live music. And uh, that essentially will go from 11 to 2 right after our morning service. If you would like to be a part of that, again, uh, send us a note, uh, office at arlingtonfm.com, and uh, we will uh, find a way to uh, engage you in helping us make that a day to reach out to our neighbors, families, and most of all, children in our area. Well, before we uh, get into our teaching for this morning, I uh, do want to mention the U version a free Bible app. Uh, you can go in your app store, search for version. Uh, it's got just about every translation of the Bible you can imagine, all kinds of great reading plans. And if you'll search under events, Arlington FM, you will find a complete set of notes for this weekend's message. Well, we're finishing up a series uh, this this weekend that we're calling uh, The Future Church. And uh, it's really... Uh, a. a setting our sights on what the church is becoming and we are getting used to different how many of you know that Uh, over the last couple of years there's been a significant amount of change happening in all of our lives on all levels and uh, not the least of which is changes happening in God's church and a future church really is you could describe it in this way it's what the church will be when God has made it ready for what is next. Uh, Future church is what the church will be when God has prepped it and prepared it for what he is doing in the world. You know, people who uh, care about the global church and uh, look at trends and what is happening, uh, all of them agree that the church has been in a season of pruning. And if you know anything about horticulture, when you prune things, things get removed. And uh, there's a goal. Jesus said that anything that bears fruit, any branch of his that produces God's life in the world, he prunes so that it can produce even more fruit. I heard this week of a guy who grew up in eastern Washington in apple country. And uh, he said he always marveled that at the end of the growing season when the pruning would happen, they were literally cutting these trees back to the stump and uh, maybe you feel that way, and uh, we can ask the question, well, when the church gets pruned, and if it's dramatic like that, cutting back to the stump, what does the church look like? What, what is left after the pruning has taken place? Well, I would say what is left is uh, described in so many ways in the New Testament. But uh, here's one, uh, 1 Peter chapter two. Verses 4 and 5 describe what is the essence of the church when you take the things that are attached to it away, what is left. And uh, Peter says, as you come to him, uh, to the living stone, as you come to Jesus Christ, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones. Now, notice that doesn't say living stoned. It says, You also, as you come to Jesus, have become animated, have become alive, and you're like living stones that are being fit together or built into a spiritual house uh, to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so, Peter describes really the essence of the church, its people. That are in genuine relationship with christ uh, being fit together by god's spirit so that god can live in them and through them into the world you might say it like this the church really in its essence is god empowered life-giving relationships and uh, those relationships are really threefold it's you in vital relationship with Jesus, Uh, you and I in genuine uh, interaction with the Savior of our souls. And then secondly, it's us being built together by God. Uh, So uh, this is how the church begins to take visible shape in the world. People alive through Jesus in relationship with him, being built together by God's Spirit. And then thirdly, it's God living in us together and loving the world through us. Uh, this is the essence of the church. And uh, so as we see the, the the church going through a time of pruning, uh, along with the world, enduring uh, trials and tribulations, uh, the lean of our hearts, uh, as this series uh, suggests, can be something like this. Heavenly Father, what are you up to today? And can I be a part of that? Can, can I be fit? Into what you are doing in the world, and uh, you know maybe uh, if you 've tuned into this broadcast this weekend, uh, maybe you 're thinking you know that 's great that uh, the church has a future, and God is doing things to uh, ready the church to uh, accomplish his purpose in the world. but maybe your thoughts are uh, i frank quite frankly, I have other concerns. Uh, I looked at the the uh, top ten concerns of U.S. citizens uh, in 2021, and nowhere in those top 10 did I, did I see the concern of what the church is becoming. Instead, I saw things like uh, the desperate need for affordable health care, uh, the dismay over the gun violence that our country is experiencing, uh, the dissension and disagreement over the coronavirus and how to respond to that, uh, keeping my job. Uh, paying my bills, raising my children, overseeing my kids' education, overseeing my own education, and then things like uh, domestic and international terrorism. But nowhere in there is the uh, top ten concern of what the church is becoming. And I would say uh, to that, uh, an invitation that Jesus himself extended uh, to anyone He said this, if you'll seek first God's kingdom and align with him, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, he made a promise. All these things will be added to you. Uh, In other words, uh, not that those lists of concerns don't matter. They do. They matter to God. Uh, But God makes a promise. If we'll focus our attention on him and seek to align our lives with his will, Uh, We'll begin to see his power and his might working in all of those things uh, and bringing his good kingdom, uh, his liberty, his freedom, his forgiveness, his life, his purpose uh, into our circumstance and out through our circumstance to the world that he loves. Uh, It really it's an invitation In the midst of a complicated and complex and difficult world, the invitation is to cast your lot in with Jesus Christ and to say, look, whatever else comes my way, I'm hanging on to him. And uh, where that takes me, I believe that it's going to be good. That's called faith and hope. And uh, according to John's vision of the future church, uh, the church is this. The church is the hope of the world. Uh, listen to that again. According to the vision of John, uh, when he saw the future church coming down out of heaven, uh, the church is the hope of a broken world. Uh, he, he summarizes uh, his view of uh, the church that God gave him as this great city, and through this city is running the river of the water of life. And uh, by this river are growing the trees of life. And uh, John says the leaves of those trees are for the healing of the nations. Uh, what's he saying? That the life of God in the midst of his people being lived out in his people brings hope and God's life and God's power and God's freedom and God's help into a desperate world. Uh, And so we talked about uh, John's vision of the future church uh, being marked by certain attributes. They've overcome the world. They've learned to live in the presence of God. They've been comforted in all of their afflictions. They've become a source of healing uh, for the world. But uh, the one aspect that catalyzes all of these uh, beneficial attributes in the church is that they have an amazing relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, we're told uh, when John saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, it was prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And uh, see, uh, this is uh, uh, kind of the amazing uh, core of what it is that allows the church to be the church, is they have this exceptional heart-capturing relationship with the king of kings and the lord of lords and it's out of that relationship that every good thing comes and if you hear anything uh, through this series and through today's conclusion of this series hear that that it's out of this amazing relationship that individuals have with the king of kings and the lord of lords that allows every good thing to flow into their lives, and out into the world. Jesus said it uh, simply and succinctly like this. He said, uh, if you live in me, if you abide in me, you will produce much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. For apart from me, apart from that attachment, apart from that dynamic relationship with him, he said, you can do nothing. Uh, no uh, no good thing that is lasting uh, can be accomplished in God's kingdom apart from this quality relationship with Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, as we've done in this series, we've reached back into the Old Testament and uh, located a psalm that uh, speaks of this hope of what the church is to become. And uh, we'll do the same this morning. In fact, we're going to look at Psalm 45 and it's actually a wedding song. It's a, a song that was written about the beauty and the hope and the inspiration that comes from this, uh, this amazing wedding between the king and his bride. Uh, we'll let the psalm speak for itself. Psalm 45, verse 1, uh, the writer says, My heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the king. And I would just say this, if you're not uh, someone who appreciates poetry, you might uh, ask for help right now because uh, the writer of this wedding song is a poet. And uh, he begins by saying his heart is filled, it's stirred. It's, he's uh, excited about this noble theme as he recites his verses for the king on his wedding day. And so here's what he says, uh, my tongue is the pen of a skillful writer you're about to hear uh, eloquence and then he uh, begins to address this king he says you are the most excellent of men and your lips have been anointed with grace since god has blessed you forever now those are grandiose words those are big words. Some would call them hyperbole, that, uh, that God has actually anointed the lips of this king to speak, uh, to speak well, to speak words of life. And uh, he says, you've been anointed with grace since God has blessed you, not just uh, for this occasion, but God has blessed you forever. And so the writer is giving kind of an exalted view of this king, Uh, on his wedding day. And then uh, he begins to uh, speak now of what uh, he sees God will do through this king. He says, gird your sword on your side, you mighty one. Clothe yourself with splendor and majesty, and in your majesty ride forth victoriously in the cause of truth, humility, and justice, and let your right hand achieve awesome deeds Let your sharp arrows pierce the hearts of the king's enemies and let the nations fall beneath your feet. Now, it's important to note, uh, as the psalmist uh, writes about this king, uh, he sees him being powerful, uh, being uh, a conquering king. But it's not the kind of um, conquering uh, that is meant to subdue. In fact, it's the kind of victory that's meant to liberate. And you might think of the allied troops uh, coming into occupied uh, countries and liberating uh, prisoners of war from death camp. It's that kind of victory that the psalmist envisions uh, this king uh, accomplishing uh, in his future. And um, he, he goes on, he, he says, your throne God, Now this is a surprise. Uh, The psalmist is writing about this earthly king, and then without uh, missing a beat, he says your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and a scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom, your love. uh, You love righteousness, you hate wickedness, therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of of joy, and you talk about uh, uh, notching it up, taking it up another notch. Uh, his view uh, of this king, this very human, this very earthly king, uh, he literally says, uh, God's going to extend his kingdom through you forever and ever, and your scepter will be one of uh, righteousness and justice, and he has set you above your companions. Now, uh, if you're a, a Bible reader, when you heard those words, uh, I hope that you thought, hmm, those words sound familiar. I've heard those words before. Where did I read them? And, uh, well, the answer would be, uh, as the scriptures are laid out, about a thousand years later, after Jesus Christ has been born into the world, God with us, and uh, he carried out his mission and his ministry, uh, he was led to the cross, he was crucified, he was raised from the dead, he commissioned his followers to take his message of hope and forgiveness to the world. And uh, we're about uh, 60 to 100 years beyond uh, the, the lifetime of Jesus Christ. And so we, we began with the psalm 1,000 years before the birth of Christ, the life of Christ. And now uh, the followers of Christ are carrying out his mission in the world. Uh, but things have become difficult. And uh, one of the writers of the New Testament, we think maybe the Apostle Paul, but uh, it's been hard to exactly identify the authorship of the letter to the Hebrews. And uh, right off the bat, uh, in this letter to the Hebrews, uh, the writer is trying to establish what an amazing privilege we have of coming close to God through the finished work of Christ. And uh, times are difficult. Uh, Christians are being persecuted. If the letter indeed was written after 70 A.D., Jerusalem had been uh, sacked and destroyed, and uh, people are confused. The church is in chaos, and uh, the writer uh, pens this letter to bring them back to the amazing thing that God has done through the cross of Jesus Christ—that uh, He's opened the way uh, for imperfect people to be rejoined to their Creator, and. Uh, the writer uses the words from this wedding song uh, to speak of what, who Jesus is and what he accomplished. In fact, uh, he says in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, uh, about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, or chapter 1, actually, uh, about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and a scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom, and uh, you heard those words earlier. You have loved righteousness. You've hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Well, here's the point uh, of the writer taking up this words from the wedding song, is that if you are a follower of Jesus, uh, if you are uh, someone who has put your hope in him, you are one of those living stones or to put it in John's vision, you are, uh, you are the bride of Christ. Uh, this is your heavenly King. Uh, and you could go back to this Psalm, which the writer of Hebrews obviously did. And, uh, you can reread the, the wedding song. And it's not just about an earthly King. It's about your King. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And, uh, as the Psalm goes on, uh, the writer begins to turn his attention to the bride uh, not just this heavenly king on this wedding day uh, but now the writer begins to wax loquacious about the bride and you can we can read this psalm and say that's that's us we are the bride of christ and uh, this this Exalted king who's been anointed to speak truth, who's been empowered to bring God's kingdom and his justice and his liberation into the world. Uh, we are invited into that wonderful uh, wedding event. Uh, so we read Psalm 45, verse 10 and 11. Listen, daughter. Uh, now he's speaking uh, to, the, to the bride of the king. Listen, daughter, and pay careful attention. Forget your people and your father's house let the king be enthralled by your beauty honor him for he is your lord see uh, here's an invitation now uh, to the bride to pour yourself into this relationship uh, don't enter this uh, haphazardly or half-heartedly uh, but uh, let the king be enthralled by your beauty as you honor him. And uh, I would say this, uh, maybe if you're listening to this message and uh, you're a guy, uh, maybe a big burly guy, uh, it may be hard for you to uh, relate to that invitation. I mean, I'm supposed to uh, let King Jesus be enthralled by my beauty, and uh, it can kind of miss us there. It's a kind of a stretch. Uh, I get that, uh, but here's a bit of perspective. Uh, think about the 12 disciples, the, the, the first followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, they were burly guys. Uh, you know, they were not effeminate uh, type of men. In fact, uh, two of them were called the sons of thunder. Uh, they had tempers. They had passions. They had interests. They were fishermen. They were, they were businessmen. They were worldly wise. And, uh, and yet they loved Jesus with a passionate life-changing, heart-capturing love. Uh, hear that again. Uh, they were burly guys. They were rough-cut guys. But they loved Jesus with a genuine and a real and a heart-capturing passion. Uh, and so the psalmist invites the bride of Christ to honor him, for he is your Lord. Maybe maybe it would be good to think about this. Uh, think about Jesus as your coach, and you want him to see your dedication. And so you're going you're gonna to put out, you're going to lay it on the line so that you can honor him. Maybe you think of him as a boss that you respect highly. You want him to see the quality of your work. And so you dedicate yourself. And you're thrilled when he looks upon what your hands have done. And he says, good job. It's that kind of invitation to approach your relationship with this heavenly king in such a way uh, that you're passionate and that you're seeking to honor him in every way that you can. Uh, and then the psalmist says this, forget your people and your father's house. Uh, it's an invitation uh, to sell out for this relationship, uh, to not look back, to not be double-minded, but to say, I'm all in, I'm, I'm casting my lot in uh in life simply entirely on the basis of this relationship uh, it's kind of like this w- when the scriptures uh, speak of the first man and woman it says for this cause a man will leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife and the psalmist uh, speaking of this heavenly king and his bride uh, uses that language it says forget Uh, What is behind? Forget your father's house. Forget your allegiances and your loyalties and dedicate yourself and your future to him in this relationship. Uh, Jesus said it like this. uh, No one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. Uh, What's he saying Uh, when we're when we're double uh, second guessing and uh, uh, of two minds? Uh, divided hearts uh, will not experience what God has for us through that relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, this is a vitalized, all-in, uh, passionate, genuine, growing relationship uh, with our heavenly groom. You know, uh, it, it's, it's the kind of love that, uh, you know, when you first fell in love and you find, found yourself writing Uh, Your love, the object of your affection, writing her or his name on your hand, scribbling it on your peachy. You know, that may seem a bit over the top, but the prophet Isaiah uh, says that God has our name inscribed on his hand. And uh, he invites us to do the same, to have that kind of uh, genuine affection for Jesus Christ. And if we do, the promise is this, uh, it will change our lives. It will change our world. In fact, it will change the world if we prioritize that devoted relationship with our heavenly king. Uh, The psalmist goes on as he ends this wedding song. He said, your sons will take the place of your fathers. The next generation of of life and leadership will, will come through you. You will make them princes throughout the land. In other words, uh, their influence will grow, and and there will be an impact. And I will perpetuate your memory through all generations. Therefore, the nations will praise you forever and ever. See, the psalmist uh, touches back on that theme, that it's out of this quality relationship. Uh, The heavenly groom, the king of kings, and his bride, the bride of Christ, people who've joined themselves to him through their faith is that that's how God's influence comes into their lives and through their lives into the world. And the extent of that literally cannot be measured. It's incalculable. And so I would say this as we come to the conclusion of this series in this message and how so much of what the future church is contingent upon the quality of that relationship. Uh, as Peter said, as you come to him, like living stones, you're being fit together. Uh, I would ask this question. How is your marriage? How is your marriage relationship? Uh, is it vitalized? Is it heart capturing? Is it life changing? Has it lost its fizz? Have you lost your interest? Has it become commonplace? Is it just another part of your your busy life? Uh, well, uh, this is an invitation to reprioritize the quality of your marriage to Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, as I work with couples uh, prepping uh, for their wedding uh, ceremonies, one of the things we do is do a relationship assessment. And uh, the one we use is called the Prepare Enrich Relationship Assessment. And uh, here are the uh, The uh, relationship types that after giving this assessment to over 500,000 couples, they've identified uh, five very specific relationship types. They are this, vitalized. Number two, harmonious. Number three, conventional. Number four, conflicted. And number five, devitalized. And I would just ask you, as you you think about those, uh, which one describes your relationship with Jesus Christ? Uh, is it has it become conventional? You know, is it just ho hum? Is it there? And you know, you you have the things you do with regularity, but there's no real heart capturing, life influencing, joy producing interaction well uh, i would say this uh, god wants for every one of us to have a vitalized relationship with our king with jesus christ and uh, he can do that Uh, you know uh, this weekend i have uh, an amazing privilege to officiate the wedding ceremony of my neighbor's daughter and uh, how that came about is when we uh, couldn't meet together as a church because of the pandemic and we were doing uh, all of our services entirely online, uh, his daughter and her fiance watched a few of our messages. And uh, he, she communicated to my neighbor and said, would you mind asking Pastor Chuck if you would be willing to officiate our ceremony? And over the last several months, it's just been a privilege uh, to get to know this couple and our family uh, neighbors next door. Uh, but as I've worked with them, uh, the thing that I've uh, witnessed more than anything else is because of this relationship, uh, because of this uh, marriage that is happening this weekend, their lives are filled with faith, hope, and love. And it doesn't really matter what else is going on in the world, though they are a very accomplished couple and very aware and very dedicated to their, their duties. Uh, this relationship uh, Overshadows everything else, uh, preempts everything else, uh, colors and influences everything else with a sense of hope and love and optimism about their future. Uh, You know, I heard a, a, a quote this week that is really worth repeating. And it said this, if you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, God has given you everything you need to bring his kingdom into your world uh, hear that again if you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ uh, God has given you everything you need through him to bring his kingdom into your world and to bring others to himself and uh, I would just invite you as we uh, go to a time of prayer uh, to let God uh, re uh, enthuse your heart Uh, to kindle in the flames again. You know, uh, the writer of the Revelation uh, early on mentions a a, a church, a group of people who were dedicated to living rightly. They were doing the right things. They were making sure their doctrine was accurate. Uh, But Jesus, the heavenly groom, said, I have this against you, that you've fallen out of the love that you had at first and uh, his his, uh, fix for them was uh, remember the height that you've fallen from and return to your first love. Uh, well, I, I want to, before we pray, uh, just mention uh, an illustration. And uh, it's from one of my favorite movie series called The Lord of the Rings series. You've probably uh, seen it. But in one of the movies uh, called The Two Towers, uh, this guy, Frodo, uh, accepts the duty of Uh, to take this ring that has the power of evil to rule the world. And uh, he accepts the responsibility to take this ring back to the mountain uh, where it was formed and destroy it uh, so that he can liberate the world from its influence. Well, as the movie goes on, uh, he had no idea what he was signing up for. He had no idea how challenging, uh, how crazy, uh, how difficult uh, this epic Uh, duty would be to him. Uh, In fact, uh, one night as he's reconsidering uh, his decision, his mission, uh, he's visited uh, by a a kind of a prophetic type of uh, woman, and uh, she says this to him. Uh, She says, look, if you don't do this, no one else will. And uh, you can just uh, see the weight of responsibility uh, falling on him and uh, as the story goes on, there's this epic battle. And uh, this scene where Mr. Frodo comes face to face with evil incarnate. And uh, this is one of the night Riders. And uh, this great black, dark dragon is uh, in the middle of this larger battle. Uh, Frodo's fighting his own battle. And uh, he's about to take uh, the ring, this ring of evil, and put it on his finger and use its powers to escape uh, this situation he's in. Uh, well, right at that moment, uh, his, his lifelong companion, Sam, uh, spots him about to put this ring on his finger. He charges, tackles him. Uh, they roll to the ground. Uh, the dragon uh, gets shot with an arrow and flies away. And uh, Mr. Frodo is so confused in the chaos that he draws his sword and he's about to skewer uh, his own friend. He's about to do him in, uh, and uh, he realizes uh, what is happening when Sam says, "It's me. It's your Sam. It's your friend." Uh, and so he he pulls back. He drops his sword. He's aghast that he almost killed his friend in the in this uh, clash, and uh, he he utters these words. He says, I can't do this, Sam. I can't stay on this mission. It's more than I ever signed up for. It's it's overwhelming. And uh, Sam's response, I think, is really noteworthy. Uh, Sam launches into, to me, what is one of the best speeches uh, in the middle of a crisis. Uh, Here's what he says. He says, by rights, we shouldn't even be here, but we are. It's like the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really matter, full of darkness and danger they were. Sometimes you didn't want to know the end, because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad has happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, a shadow. Darkness has passed. A new day will come and when the sun shines it will shine out the clearer Uh, these are the stories mr frodo that stay with you that meant something even if they were too small to understand why Uh, mr frodo he says i do understand i know now most of those great stories had lots of chances of turning back only they didn't they kept going because they were holding on to something. Uh, Mr. Frodo says, what are we holding on to, Sam? And I love the response. Sam says that there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. Uh, See, I think that's a great uh, illustration uh, of the mission that God has called his church to be on. Uh, We are to side with Jesus To cast our lot in with him, not knowing exactly where that will take us. Being willing, as we saw last week, to be given over to death daily so that others might live. You know, I was thinking of uh, Jesus' call to disciples uh, when he was going to the cross. When he was about ready to lay down his life uh, to restore the world to God. Uh, He said this, if anyone would be my disciple he must do these three things he must deny himself they must take up a cross and follow me and i really believe that's the heart of this marriage that we're talking about uh, between the heavenly groom the king of kings and the bride of christ that we're willing to uh, pledge our vows to him we're willing to commit our way to him We're willing to pledge uh, to the Lord Jesus, Uh, whatever comes our way. I believe uh, we're better together and I'm better off with you. And I'm willing uh, to deny myself, to take up my cross and to follow me. And uh, uh, here's a way to make that livable. Uh, What if each day you ask these three questions to keep your relationship with Jesus Christ vital? What if you ask these three questions? Uh, Jesus, what are you asking me to lay down today and believe that he'll speak to that in ways that are real and practical that'll make a difference in your life? Jesus, what are you asking me to lay down today? And then the second question would be this. Uh, Jesus, what are you asking me to take up today? Uh, What are you asking me to take hold of today. And then this third question, uh, Jesus, where are you asking me to go today? Uh, Where are you asking me to follow you? And I I believe that if we'll do those simple things, what are you asking me to lay down? What are you asking me to take up? And where are you asking me to go? That uh, wonderful things will happen in our lives, in our world, and uh, in his church uh, through us to a world that desperately needs His kingdom, would you pray with me, uh, Father? We thank you uh, for this invitation uh, to lean into You, uh, to open up to You, and thank You, God. As someone once said that uh, to to know God as He is makes all of life an adventure in His love. To know and experience and search out the height and depth and width and breadth of the love of Christ. And uh, we just thank you, Jesus, that you love enough, love us enough uh, to invite us into this exceptional relationship with you. That is the source of every good thing in the world. And Lord, as we come to you, we become those living stones whose lives are being mended, are being healed. Are being freed. And uh, Lord, you do find a way uh, to bring the goodness of God into all of our challenges, all of our needs, all of our desires as, as we put your kingdom first. And so, Lord, uh, may uh, you etch those words on our hearts and in our minds. Uh, whoever would be my disciple uh, must deny himself, take up his cross and go where I'm leading. And maybe for you uh, today, you're thinking, you know, I need Jesus in my life. I need the forgiveness that I've heard about. I need that relationship with God that he's offering. Let me just lead you in a simple yet profound prayer. It's the beginning for every one of us. It's our point at which we forget where we've been. We leave behind what was, and we cast our lot in this relationship with Jesus, and so you would say, "Uh, Jesus, I believe you are who you said you are. Uh, I believe that you love me. I believe that you gave your life for me, and I believe that you're calling me now to give my life to you. And as best I can, Lord Jesus, I open up to that. I commit my way to you. Uh, Come into my life, help me to feel that value. Help me to know that I'm indeed a, a part Of your church. I'm one of those living stones, and I have the privilege of being prepared as a bride to meet her heavenly groom. Uh, Lord, teach me uh, how to live in you and how to walk with you. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.